0: the Empowered Church, welcome to City Church 2015. You know, City Church was empowered by the Holy Spirit last year, and I, I thought it would be really appropriate right up here at the front, right at the very beginning, just to kind of give God thanks for the empowerment of His Spirit and what He enabled us to do through a local, as a local church family and body. You know, some things we do set out and endeavor to do at the beginning of the year, but there are also things that the Holy Spirit redirects our steps uh, there were just some really awesome things. My wife and I, my youngest son, earlier this week were reflecting on, just as we were processing going into 2015, just looking back over the things that God had done, had, has done through us as a local church family. And I thought I'd take just a moment and kind of just kind of a year in review here at City Church. But I, I think one of the one of the real highlights that happened right at the very beginning of the year, and that was last Awakening Conference, which. Uh, we are going to be having another Awakening Conference here in just a couple of weeks. We are starting our Daniel Fast tomorrow, and uh, if you want information on that, you can go to our website. We also have a little some information and packets that you can take on your way out today, but at the end of our Daniel Fast, we did our four-day Awakening Conference, and we commissioned 13 deacons last year, and it was just an incredible experience to see these men that we've walked with these last 18 months. and equipping and to see this strengthening of our church family as we apply biblical leadership and and that was just a really awesome thing and i i thought of the attendance increase we had significant attendance increase from the previous uh, year and a half and to see the lord continue to prosper and to bless our church as more people are added to the church and then to see the increase in finances we had our largest single year increase in our tithing last year in the history of our church and i just want to say thank you for your generosity and giving but that's a very significant thing. That's a healthy thing. But I think one of the most impactful things to me, and the thing to me that makes, I believe, the greatest difference eternally in the kingdom is that we saw over 100 people make decisions to follow Christ in water baptism last year. Come on, can you give God a big hand? That was a over 100 people that took the decision from saying yes to Jesus and taking that next step and going to the pools of baptism. That, to me, is just such a significant thing in our local church. And then... Last year we uh, brought on, uh, we had our friends Hank and Joy Schauer come back from Seattle, some of the founding planters of this church 15 years ago, and uh, they took over. They actually started our Generation Plus, our ministry to those who were 55 and older, and then also they took over the missions ministry here at City Church, and we took our largest team, 20 people last year. We took to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip, and we believe that that is the first of many, many to come with them we're grateful to the Lord for them. Uh, We also, uh, this year, we started an, if you don't know, we have an intern program here called Next Generation Interns, NGI Interns. And we currently have seven full-time interns that serve here at City Church. And uh, they're working in this service today, right down here in the front row. Alicia's the service coordinator, but there are seven of them. They're involved in different aspects of ministry here at City Church. And we, we started our second year program. So the Last year was our first year. This year we did a second-year program. And uh, it has just been awesome to see these young people who are passionate for Jesus and for his mission and for the kingdom to be part of this local church and what God's doing here. And uh, because of that, because of the second-year program, we brought on a, a NGI intern director of operations, Derek Duncan, and he joined with us this past year. We're grateful to the Lord for his involvement in ministry here at City Church. And then after seven years of my wife – starting City Church Academy, and, um, and being the director for the last seven years, we were able to hire Ms. Chandra Story, who's been part of our, our church family since the very very beginning in Altamont Springs. She is now the new City Church Academy director, and we're looking forward to 2015 launching first grade. So we are, come on, amen, give God a big hand. <clears throat> Lots of really just amazing things took place in every, so many different areas of ministry growth I'm thankful to the Lord for but uh, towards the end of uh, the, this year the Holy Spirit spoke to us. We had an opportunity to purchase and I do want to talk about that just for a moment here. We had an opportunity to purchase a property located over on Orange Boulevard It's is the former Gathering uh, Place property. Uh, we made our best effort. We have uh, submitted our best offer and we've not been able to come to price and terms with the uh, trust company that manages that property and uh, so at this point we live by the open door policy and so Today, we're just pursuing God's purposes. We are still continuing in our REACH campaign. That property is still sitting there vacant. But at this point, at least in the life of our church, uh, we're going to continue to seek what the Lord would have for us to do. And so uh, it was a very significant thing that we went through as a church, and we're still on that journey. And I'm very encouraged to see what the Lord – I do believe that God is sovereign in all of our lives. And we do the very best that we can do. and We leave the results to the Lord. And that's the way that we should live. And when we live like that, then we're at peace. We're at peace with the decisions that take place. So there's no would've, or could've, or should've in our life. As I reflect over 2014, and as I'm going into the new year, uh, I, I, I have a filter in which I view my life. And as we launch out into this series on Acts, the Empowered Church, we are going to go on a journey together. We are going to study the Scriptures. We're going to take a book of the Bible, the book of Acts, which is the book of the beginning, the the birthing of what we call the church today. Not a denomination, not a building, but a gathering of people who gather all around the world to worship to worship our King and our Lord, Jesus. And it is an amazing thing to see what God did at the very beginning, because we're pattern people. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a God of pattern. He's a God of unique design. He created the universe. He put everything in systems and stars and all the... Galaxies, He brought them together. We believe that God has a pattern for his church. And as we study this book together, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to empower us in ways that we never could have imagined. I believe there are going to be some supernatural things that happen in your life and in my life as we study the scriptures together as a church family. And I'm very, very encouraged. We've never done it quite like this. Last year, the story really challenged Pastor Glenn and myself and our preaching team into really going after Going deeper into God's word. We are people of the book. And my passion and my heart for you is that you would become a person of the book. When I filter my life and I look at my life, I have five filters that I look, at, I look through. The first filter of my life is the, the filter of spirituality. My spiritual relationship with God. We are spiritual beings created by a God who designed us to worship him. I haven't always been a worshiper of God. But God has created me to be a spirit being. We are spiritual people. We are created in His image, and there is something. The fact that you were here today, the very first service of the year in 2015, is an indication that there is a spiritual hunger in your life today. Jesus said, put me first, seek me first, and everything else will be added unto you. The first priority of my life as I filter my 2015. How is my spiritual relationship with God? Where am I at? How, how am I doing? Are there things in my life that I really need to leave in 2014? And as I look back over my life, I'm quite confident there are some things that I need to leave in 2014 as I go into 2015. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about areas of my life, a pursuit of passion for Him, loving Him with all my heart, soul, and strength. It is a continual, progressive love affair, and it's a pro- continual, progressive warfare. We are in a spiritual battle within each one of us. And so the filter that I filter my life, first of all, is a spiritual filter. It is the foundation of of your life. The second filter in which I filter my life is the life of my family. First, in my relationship with my wife. I say that if I have no wife, I have no life. (laughs) I have no wife, I have no life. My wife is part of me. We have to become one flesh. We joined together in vision and mission for the purposes of God in our generation almost 28 years ago. And how is my relationship with my wife? That's a question that I ask myself. Is our relationship clear? Are we forgiven? Are, are, we, are, we, are we growing in love in a deeper relationship and closer together in our, our own relationship, our own love affair? and our, Is our relationship with our boys, is it healthy? One of the greatest joys for me is to have two sons, and both of my sons loving Jesus. My oldest son, Austin, here on the front row with his brand-new fiancée, Paulica David. They were engaged two days before Christmas. Amen. to see my two sons serving God and pursuing them, and is my relationship with my children okay? I would encourage, if you're a parent today, one of the priorities, one of you, I don't care how old your children are, your, your top priorities is to keep that relationship with your children clear. Keep that relationship, that bridge open. You know, there, there's nothing sadder to me to see parents who are estranged from the child that they brought into this world. I would encourage you, as parents you make that your priority. Your family, you only get one. You only get one family. Get one shot at it with with them, and then and then this filter of family and friends, this relationship thing, this is huge. This is huge. I have lots of good acquaintances and lots of good friends, and and I believe one of the goals of my life is to be a friend of many, but I have just a few that I'm very very close to, and I would challenge every man in this room, every single man, because this is probably the greatest challenge for men is to have a close spiritual relationship, a godly relationship, with a, another brother. But I would say one of the weaknesses of most men's spiritual journey is that they have no one else speaking to their life. And I have two or three men in my life that I'm very close to, that I share with, that, that uh, they know me. They know my life. They I tell them my life. I share with them my struggles and my challenges. we walk the journey together, the Christian life, for a long time now. And I think that's a very important for every person here. This This thing of having strong relationships, you can't go this alone. You can't go this alone. We need one another. We're better together. That's our saying here. Everyone say that with me. We're better together. We're better together. And so this relationship, our family and our friends, and then our physical. I was challenged in 2014. I I, uh, I met um, I met a man by the name of Ed Valentine. He works over here at Teen Challenge. And I asked him how old he was, and he told me his age. I was like, dude, you're in amazing shape. And I was really challenged by his physical condition. And I've got a disease. It's called the chest and the drawer disease, and with the... You know what that is? Like you get that when you get older. Your chest drops down into your drawers. And I said, boy, you know, when I do the side shot, ooh, ooh. And so I committed with my wife and I. We have been working over the last month or last six weeks or so working on working out and trying to make that a priority in my life. and committed to doing that because I know that, you know, this physical thing, our physical and our spiritual is so intricately tied together and taking care of our bodies, which are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Is a priority for every one of us here. And then our ministry, the ministry of City Church. Uh, There's not a day that goes by, even when I'm on vacation, that I don't think about the church. This is what God put in my heart. God put birth this in my heart. But the amazing thing to me is to see that the City Church has gone beyond just a little dream that God gave me laying in bed in Seattle, Washington, to, to see what God has done today to the lives and the hearts of those who are part of this family. And to see so many of you serving the Lord. And involved in ministry and accomplishing the destiny and the purpose that God has for you. There's no greater joy. There's no greater joy as a spiritual father to walk and to see what the Lord is doing in the life of our local church. And I would just say there are lots of barometers in our church. and lots of things that I look at and measurements. But one of the greatest factors that I see God doing in our church today is that this place is a place of love. There's so much love and unity. We get accused of being the Huggy Church here. You know, when people come and, and everybody just, because there really is a genuine love here. the genuine love. And you look across the room and you see people from diversity of walks and backgrounds and colors and all the different ways that God has brought us together. This is an amazing thing, guys. This is a special thing that God has done at 650 East Airport Boulevard, Sanford, Florida. This is very unique. This is not everywhere out there. I know that. I, I know that. Last summer when I did my sabbatical, we visited quite a few churches. And we always try to attend a local church when we're gone on vacation. And I can tell you what God is doing here is very special. The spiritual growth, the generation, the ministry to generations from the youngest to the oldest here is a very unique thing. And we cherish that. And we fight as a leadership team to protect that. And I will tell you today that our leadership team is united. Our leadership team, our deacons, our spiritual elders, our staff, our team, we are united in mission and vision and focus. And the blessing of God is here. And the favor of the Lord is here. And it's a safe place and a great place for you to raise your children and to grow spiritually with your family. I would encourage you today. I would encourage you as I look at the ministry of our church, I I do look at the financial aspect of it. It's probably the greatest challenge. And every every person who leads any kind of non-for-profit, and we truly are a non-for-profit, but to see the blessing of the Lord and the favor of God that. Our regular tithe and offerings in the year twenty fourteen increased forty percent. It's unwreck it's a it's unheard of. It's just an amazing thing to see what God has done, which has enabled us to be more impactful in our community and our city. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity and your giving. If you have your Bibles this morning, we are going we are going on a journey together. Let's take a trip. Let's take a gospel trip. Let's take a journey together. As we go through the book of Acts, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to start right at the beginning of this book, Acts chapter 1. I would encourage you over the next couple of weeks, uh, as a matter of fact, over the next 25 weeks, we're going to journey through this book together. And I would encourage you to do a couple things. One, I would encourage you to bring your Bible. Everyone say, bring my Bible. Now, I know a lot of you bring your, you use your phone, and that's great, too, and, Use your phone, but bring your Bible, bring a piece of paper and something to write with and bring an open heart because we are going to study the scriptures together. My goal as the as the pastor of this local assembly is to see you fall in love with the book. The stories of the book that changed the men and women of old are the same. Those same stories, that same God that led them is the same God that is leading us today. I want you to repeat after me. I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I hear. But I am moved by every word that proceeds from the book of God. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everyone say power Power. when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he said this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood behind them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Here's my big idea this morning. Being empowered by the Spirit to accomplish his acts. Being empowered by the Spirit to accomplish his acts. This morning, we're going to pray for our sister church in Point Siena Living Waters Fellowship. I preached their, their pastor's appreciation a couple of months ago. And many of you may have heard this has become a national news story. But this past Monday, uh, an employee walked into the office of the church and pulled out a gun and fired point-blank at the pastor, fired two shots at him, Uh, the pastor. Anyways, uh, long and short of it, there were three other shots fired. Two of them hit the individual that pulled the gun out. He's in the hospital today, and uh, he is also on charges for attempted first-degree murder. Uh, This is a sister church. This is a church that we have been in relationship with for a long time. Our superintendent is speaking at the church and uh, the pastors are Terry and uh, uh, Debbie, Hal, they're close friends of ours. We are going to pray for this church this morning. Uh, we're going to pray that God redeem this. This is a terrible thing that took place this week at this church. And we're going to pray that God restore and redeem. Father, we pray today for Pastor Terry and Debbie. Lord, we know that uh, just like you called them, God, to plant that church. God, we know that they have been guided and directed by your spirit. And Lord, the bitterness and the anger of one person's heart, I pray today God would be forgiven. This man that as he lays in the hospital, I pray, God, that you will convict him. And, God, that he will sense what he did, the deep sense of remorse and regret, God, that he, he sinned against you and against his brother. Lord, I pray today for this church family. I pray for healing to come. I pray the work of the Holy Spirit, that healing that only you can bring. God, I pray that you'll bring comfort today. We thank you for Living Water Fellowship and the great work that they've done in that community, in that city. And we pray that it would continue to grow. And Lord, like Joseph stood before his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God will turn for good so that many can be saved. I pray that many will be saved and come to you, God, through this great time of tragedy. I ask this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. (coughs) The author of this book (coughs) is Luke. Church history tells us that Luke was a physician and He was a very scholarly man. Uh, Luke did not write this book just to kind of get a little story out, a story of romance, a fictional tale. Luke wrote this book so that people would be impacted with the truth of who Jesus is. When we look through this story, we, we see the time period and the frame in which Luke wrote was a period basically of peace. It was in the early 60s of the the very beginning of the church, about the 30-year mark of the birthing of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and Luke is telling the story. He's writing to a man by the name of Theophilus. We don't know anything about Theophilus other than his name means a friend of God or one who is loved of God. But Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he, he's telling him. He said, listen, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this compelling story. And as we look through those first 11 verses of this book, you're going to see the theme laid out for the next 28 chapters. There are four things that Luke emphasizes as we go through this book together. And the first thing that Luke emphasizes is that Jesus is alive. <laughs> Jesus is alive. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus was the key, the, the central thing that had gathered them together. If you know the story, we, we know that the disciples, and uh, they were fearful, they were terrified, they that their king, their savior, their Lord, their Messiah, he, he, had, he, he had been crucified. He'd been crucified. It wasn't their plan. And the fact is, as we look at this theme of the scriptures, we, we will see that we will see this message, this reoccurring message. I actually have a PowerPoint there, you can put up, Linda. There you go. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And the fact is, as we go through this story, we will see over and over this emphasis of the disciples and the apostles. The second thing that we will see is that we will see the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he empowers and gifts his people to act in supernatural ways. We will see the Holy Spirit as he empowers and gifts his people to act in supernatural ways. The ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit is something that as we go through these scriptures, I pray that you will encounter in a personal way. I pray that you'll have a deeper encounter and a revelation of understanding of who he is. The third thing that we will see is that there is a great growth and expansion of the church. These men and these women who are empowered supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, they're passionate about this. They're passionate about making the name of Jesus famous in their generation. And the church begins to grow. The church begins to expand. It becomes revolutionary. These radical zealots For this resurrected Savior has an impact and everywhere they go. Everywhere they go, there's either revival or there's revolution. People are either attracted to the message because of the power of God that's being demonstrated, or people are revolted by it and stoning them and throwing them out of their communities. The last thing that we see continually is that there's a spiritual growth that takes place in the community of believers. The spiritual growth of the believers of the community that's gathering together for prayer, for teaching, and for encouraging one another. I mentioned, as we look through these scriptures, you're going to see this theme. Now, I want you to turn your attention to the first three verses of this book. The first three verses of this book. And I want you to see where the emphasis is upon Jesus being alive. The Bible says in verse number three, after his suffering, he presented himself to them. And gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He was alive. After his suffering. The fact is Jesus died on the cross. If you think about this reality of the resurrection of Jesus. It's something that we, we say so freely in our, in our church experience today. But the fact is, is that people don't rise from the dead. People don't rise from the dead in Jesus' day. People don't rise from the dead in our generation. Oh, occasionally you'll hear about someone maybe who went to a mortuary and they thought the person or the individual was dead and something happens and their body wakes up in the middle of the mortuary. I I don't know about you. That would like scare the thunder out of me if I had that kind of experience. You'll hear about something like that taking place. But Jesus, Jesus was dead. He was crucified on the cross. He was buried in a tomb guarded by Roman soldiers. Their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations of greatness, of being with this man who was the Messiah. This man who would bring Israel back to all of its glory. They were dashed. They were dashed. The Bible says that Jesus comes to them. Do you know, that's what Jesus does for each of us in this room today. Jesus comes to him. Jesus comes to us. The reason we encounter his resurrection power is that he comes to us. It wasn't we first sought him. He first sought us. Jesus comes to them, and the Bible says that he gives them convincing proofs. He says, to Thomas, touch my hands, feel my side. The Bible actually says that he has a meal with them. Oh, scholars and pundits and critics have tried to dismiss the reality of the resurrection. But the fact is today, guys, the message, the message of the heartbeat of Christianity is that Jesus is alive. Yeah. Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed, just as he said. And your faith today is not built on fallacy. Your faith today is not built on a phantom, a phantom or a ghost. Your, ba- your faith today is built on a risen Savior, a living God who is Lord of lords and King of kings. Someone said amen this morning. Amen. We see this reality. He proved himself to them. He appeared to them over 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. What did Jesus do? Jesus did the kingdom. The kingdom of God was the rule of God. The reality of God's presence, the reality of who God is Coming in to man's earthly existence. He wasn't just some God out there. The Romans had multiple gods. They had powerful gods. Gods that they had created their own image. But here was a God not created or fashioned by the hands or the minds of men. Here was a God who was God all by himself before the beginning of time. And when Jesus entered into this world, he had a message. The kingdom. Acts 10.38 says that Jesus went around doing good proclaiming the message of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the power of God, the entrance of God into our world. Guys, this was not a notion that the rest of the world had a concept of. Jesus had a unique message and it was demonstrated by power. All that he began to do and teach the kingdom of God entered in this world supernaturally through miracles and through healing. Acts 10.38 says that he went around doing good and healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to restore Jesus came to deliver Jesus came to transform Jesus came to change Jesus came to make new Jesus came to bring people together not divide people Jesus came with the message of hope for his generation that the father loved you the father loved you and I give my life as a representative of the father so that you in turn can have life and you can live the life that God has called you to today. See, Jesus came, the proofs of the resurrection. He hung out with them. He was alive. He was alive. He's alive today. The reality this morning, you are gathered in a building, not a a church, because we are the church. The people are the church. You are gathered in a place where people worship God, and the presence of Jesus is here today. And the next thing that I want you to see, in verses number four through eight, the Bible says that Jesus told them, He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised you. You've heard me speak about. Wait for the gift my Father has promised you. This reality of the presence and the power of God. The reality of waiting for Jesus' power. I want you to wait, guys. I want you to wait. We're not very good at waiting, are we? We're not very good. We don't like to wait. We want it now. We get... Christmas time, and uh, and one of the great privileges of Christmas is that we get to make our children wait. (laughs) Several years ago, we took a road trip. My boys were quite a bit younger then, and we drove to Washington, D.C. We were living in Altamont Springs at the time, and we drove to Altamont Springs. And, uh, you know, waiting for a couple of boys sitting in the back of the seat to get to the destination is like uh, fate worse than death. So you load them up with toys and video games, whatever they had in the back there. And I remember we didn't get too far up Highway 95, and I heard those famous words: yeah. "Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Oh, we got a long ways to go, boys." But isn't waiting all relative? You know, if I was to say, "Boys, we're gonna go across, this, we're gonna go across town or downtown Orlando," it's a 20-minute drive, and we get 15 minutes down the road. We're almost there, right? And when we look at this story, when we look at this entrance of Jesus into the reality of the disciples after he's resurrected, what we see is this emphasis on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't come yet. He hasn't come yet. You know, the fact fact for these guys that they would need this because the task of the mission for which Jesus had called them to was something that they could never do on their own. They had already proven it. They had already proven it. The fact is, after things had fallen apart and Jesus had died on the cross, they were scattered. These men were scattered, but now they were coming together and they would need an endowment. They would need a power. You know, you and I, we can't do this on our own. We can't do this thing called life on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. That same spirit, that same power, Jesus told them. He said, listen, guys, he, he, he said, I am going to give you his promise. I'm going to give you this gift. The disciples still weren't concerned about that. They were concerned about their own mission, their own goal, their own dreams, their own aspirations. How about you today? Your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, are you trying to do them on your own? Is it your own thoughts? And Jesus says, I want you to wait. I have a power. I have my spirit that I want you to give you. And then they're saying, well, Jesus, when are you going to come again? And how is this going to happen? And they want to know the dates. And they want to know the times. He said, it's not for you to figure out. Not for you to figure out. I've got something better. I've got my power. My power. Jesus told them in John chapter 26. He said, listen, I have to go away. I have to go away because... I have to give you my spirit, the word, the word in the Greek is parakalitos. It's the advocate. It's one who comes alongside to be our helper and our defender. You know, we struggle in our minds. We struggle in our wills. We struggle in our emotions. All of us wrestle. We wrestle moments we're passionately in love with Jesus. In other moments, we seem to be turning cold towards his purposes and plans. We all have this internal struggle that takes place within us. And all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but I'll find myself amazed at times. How did I get to this place? How did I get back to here? How did I get back to this place where, oh, I sense his presence. I'm reading the scriptures and the scriptures become alive to me again. How does that happen? It's because the Holy Spirit of God has now come. You see, Jesus said, wait for the gift. Every single person in this room has been designed by God. Every person in this room has been created by God. You have a gift. You have a spiritual gift that God wants to impart to you because God has a mission. God has a purpose. God has a plan for you to live your life. And you will not be able to accomplish this plan and this purpose without His empowerment. And here is the thing. As I read through this, Jesus says, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. But here is the key, folks. Here is the key of this whole Look, this whole story, your story, our story, the whole key to accomplish the purpose and the mission of God is found in this one verse. And you shall receive power. Everyone say power, power. after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be, You can put the verse on the screen and you shall be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have to hear this. You have to hear this today because this verse in our circles is quoted so many times. But Listen to what Jesus is saying. Right here in Jerusalem, you have a mission. Listen, the Jewish people, they had already crucified Christ. These guys are not happy about this group of guys going out and talking about a resurrected Savior. You're going to need something to sustain you. You're going to need something to energize you. You're going to need something to enable you to do what you can never do on your own. You're going to be a witness in Jerusalem. You're going to be a witness. And when you're a witness in Jerusalem, then you're going to take this to Judea. It is geographical. See, it always starts in our home. It always starts in our heart. The work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It always begins at me. Sometimes people say, well, that church, you know, that pastor, he needs to get on fire. And I'm always like, well, you know, what, what about you getting on fire? <laughs> what about you getting on fire? People are always worried about other people getting on fire. What about you getting on fire? See, it always begins before it happens in our children, before it happens in our family, before it happens in our community. It always starts with us. It starts in Jerusalem, in our own home base, in our own family. And Jesus is saying, I want my spirit to be poured out in Jerusalem, starting with your home, then your family, and then the region that you live, then the ends of the earth. It's not just geographical, though. It's also ethnicity. See, Jerusalem was the home of the Jews. It was the place of the temple. It was the the holy city. They would gather. They would gather from all over the world. They would come once a year at Passover. The city was full of Jews. This city had been dedicated by David as a place to worship God. It was a holy city. And as I look at this, I see, you know, first they were called to their own. But that's never the gospel. The Jewish people, they were very focused. They were, they were very xenophobic. They could only see their own people. And this is where the gospel is so radical. This is why, hear me today, this is why the gospel is so radical. You see this tension in our culture today. And I said this several weeks ago. But I want you to hear today. The gospel is the solution to the race problem in America. Jesus said, I've come with good news. And the good news is that we love one another. Come on. The good news is that we love one another. The good news is that we serve one another. You want to know how we bring healing? We serve one another. You want to know how we unite one another? We prefer one another. The gospel has a solution to the problems of our culture. Because the gospel wasn't for the white man, the black man, the red man, the yellow man. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is For all ethnicities, all people, to the ends of the earth. And that's what Jesus has called us to as a local church in this community. This is unique. I look around at the work of the Holy Spirit in our church, and I see how God has brought people from all different kinds of walks of life. I see how God has brought people from different ethnicities and backgrounds and languages. And I see us worshiping together. This was the vision that Jesus laid out in the book of Acts. And here 2,000 years later at 650 East Airport Boulevard, we are seeing the promise that Jesus said he would pour out his spirit. And God, God would be glorified. God would be honored. And all flesh would know that there is a king. As we see the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of these men, they don't fully understand it just a little while, in just a little while, God's going to pour out his spirit upon them. Jesus gave them a promise. God's divine strategy. We have a divine strategy from heaven today. That divine strategy compels us then. And the last thing that I want you to see in verses 9 through 11 is that there was this promise that he's going to come again. So there's a yearning. There's a hunger in all of our hearts for a home. In verse number 9 the Bible says, in verse number 11, is the angels showed up and they said, The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Heaven is simply God's space. I don't know all about heaven, but I know this. Heaven is simply God's space. God's space. Heaven is real. Jesus is coming to. You. As we go through this book, you will see this anticipation. You will see this hunger in the hearts. You see what keeps you focused on the mission, what keeps you focused on not just living for the moment, just not living for my family, It's recognizing that there is an eternity. There is an eternity. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number two, when he was talking to his disciples, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. Heaven is real. The Scriptures tells us that there were two angels. There were two angels that were there. They were standing before these men. And as these men watched Jesus ascend on a cloud, as they watched Jesus ascend on a cloud, their hearts were gripped. Their hearts were gripped cloud in Scripture always represents the glory. Represents the glory, the presence of Jesus. Hear me today. Hear me right now. The glory of God's here. The presence of Jesus is in this room. He's real. Eternity is real. Heaven is real. We're starting a new year in 2015 in preparation. This very first Sunday of the year is a great Sunday to prepare our hearts for a fresh visitation of what God wants to do in us, what God wants to do in you, what God wants to do in me. I don't know about you today, but I need to leave some things behind in 2014. There's some things in 2014 that I just need to leave where they are. I need a fresh reality. Jesus said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. There's something about waiting on God to fill you with His Spirit. Paul told the church at Ephesus, "Be filled with the Spirit." Be filled. Be filled. God wants to fill us fresh, individually. God wants to fill us fresh, corporately. Our worship team is going to come, and while they're coming this morning, I want you to close your eyes. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. I, I just sense it. I sense the glory of God in this room. The glory of Jesus is here. He wants to fill us fresh. He has a mission. You will receive power to be my witnesses. you receive power to be His witnesses. today. God's created you for mission. God's created you for purpose. But you can't do it on your own. You need His power. You're here this morning. You want a fresh infilling. You want a fresh empowerment right here at the beginning of 2015 to enable you to complete the mission. Do the mission that God has for you this year. If that's you this morning, when I count to three, can you raise your hand? One, two, three. In this room right now. Come on, I'll, You want to fresh, and, fresh name? Come on, come on I'll, I'll, I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to do this this morning. We're just going to come. You raised your hand. The Worship team is going to lead us. We're going to spend just a few moments. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us fresh. We're going to ask for a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come today to accomplish His mission. Well, I just want to begin to make your way this morning to begin to worship the Lord.